are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. In Acts chapter 2, and we begin to read with uh, verse 14, and uh, this is the story of Pentecost as it's revealed in the Bible. And these all, let's see, Acts tell us to uh, chapter 2 and verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, and lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea, all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men dream dreams. And on my servant, on my handmaiden, I'll pour out those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I shall wonders in heaven above, and signs in earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor smoke. You who read carefully in Revelation, you'll remember that in the tribulation time that's prophesied, there'll be these great manifestations in nature, and the sun uh, signs of their blood and fire and vapor smoke, the sun turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. The day of the Lord, the Bible calls the time when Jesus comes back to reign on the earth, after it takes us to heaven for a honeymoon in heaven, and the judgment of the nation, then comes back to reign on the earth, and we'll come with him. That's called the day of the Lord. I read on. And uh, it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now here, back quoting from Joel in the Old Testament, in uh, Joel 2, 28 to 32, the Lord says, I'm going to have a time called the last days. And in that time, the power of the Holy Ghost will come on all kinds of people, old men, young men, servants, handmaids, sons and daughters, and they'll all prophesy. Prophesy means to witness in the power of God, whether you're speaking in a pulpit or talking to one or two, but witnessing in the power of God and winning souls. Now, he said, that'll come, and that goes right on down through this age, through the great tribulation, to the great notable day of the Lord. And what's it about, Jesus? It's to get people saved, and whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You remember in Luke, the Lord said, uh, he commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. In Luke uh, 24, verse 46, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things, he said, and and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem till ye be endued with power from on high. Endued with power to witness for Jesus and get people saved. That's the point of it now. Now, there's some wonderful things here. There's some misunderstanding about Pentecost, and let's clear the ground a little and get before we get into the exposition of this passage. Let's say there are three or four misunderstandings about Pentecost, and I can help you, I think. Many people, when you mention Pentecost, oh, they think about talking in tongues. Now, Jerusalem, they did. But what they meant in the word tongues in the Bible simply means languages. Uh, not some strange, unknown language. No, no. No, the language of people who were there. The Scripture tells us about people of 16 different nationalities there, Jews from all these nations. And the Scripture says they heard them speak in their own tongues in which they were born, the wonderful works of God. So you say, does God give such gift? Well, if there's ever an occasion to, he would when necessary again. Uh, but uh, you don't need any different language from uh, English language tonight if you can understand understand English, do you? And so, uh, that, so, but some people think about tongues. Now listen carefully. 
God, is there such a thing as the gift of tongue? Yes. If there's such a case where somebody can't understand your talk at all, and you can't understand them, and oh, you want to give them the gospel, and you pray about it, and God helps you to talk to them in their own language so they can hear the gospel, that's fine. That's the Bible gift of tongues. I read the other day somebody talking about, oh, the tongues of ecstasy. Nothing like that in the Bible. That's human false doctrine made up, you know. A lot of, you know the devil a whole lot rather have some kind of a substitute and a fraud and put on a show and I've got it and I'm better than everybody else. Uh, the devil a whole lot rather you do that than have the power of God and go out and witness for Jesus and win souls. No, Pentecost does not mean tongues in the modern sense. Somebody said, Did Brother Rice, is the gift of tongues still in existence? It never started when you're talking about the modern tongues move. That's not what they had in Bible times. Nothing like that in the Bible at all. But um, God gives people power to win souls. And if need be, God would help you speak sometimes in the language of somebody else that can't understand your language, but uh, uh, not what the tongues are moving. Well, here's another misunderstanding. Somebody said, oh, Pentecost, that's when they got the second blessing. Oh, they got the moral, this uh, carnal nature burned out. They got good as Jesus Christ and getting better every day and so on and bragging about it all the time. No, no, that's not what they're talking about. There's a Bible doctrine of sanctification. But it is not taught at Pentecost, something else. The Bible doctrine is this. There are about three phases, three parts of the Bible teaching on tongues in the Bible. In the first place, when one is saved, he is set apart for heaven. The word sanctified means set apart, set apart for God. Like the holy mountain of Jerusalem, that hill set apart. The holy city of Jerusalem, a separate city that God has blessed. The holy nation, Israel. So I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm talking about set apart for God. Now, in Hebrews chapter 10, the scripture says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever all of them that are sanctified. You mean sanctified? Everybody is saved who has Christ come in, your sins all forgiven, and now you know you're God's child, and the blessed Spirit of God dwells within you, and he, Jesus is making a home for you in heaven, and you have now everlasting life. You're born again, now you're set apart in that sense, sanctified for heaven. That's why the Bible calls us saints. Oh, somebody said, I'm no saint. Well, if you're saved, you are. The saints at Corinth, the saints in Rome, the Bible talks about that everybody's saved. It's a saint in the sense they set apart for heaven. All right. Another part of the doctrine of sanctification is as you grow in grace and get more and more set apart from Christ and away from the world, uh, that's a sense of sanctification. In Acts chapter 20, Paul met the elders or preachers at Ephesus. They met him out at Miletus, and there he told them in Acts 20, verse 32, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. Oh, you mean a preacher can get more and more like Jesus and set apart for God as he studies the Word and grows more and more. I said, oh yes, that's right. That's a growth in sanctification. And then there's another sense in which one day this will all be completed. Thank God. A time when the, this old sinful nature will be fixed. Thank God. Now I have a resurrection body and I never need to say to God anymore, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll be finished up one day. But not yet. Not now. But the Bible, Pentecost doesn't talk about that at all. That's not the doctrine of Pentecost. That's not even discussed in connection with Pentecost in the Bible. Oh, somebody said to Pentecost, oh, that's when the church began. That's the origin of the church. Is that so? Oh, yes, I think the church began Pentecost, you say. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, let's do. Why don't you just do like the Bible does and never say anything about it? All right? Because the Bible never mentions it. Now, here I'm a young preacher trying to get started, 
and after these 53 years, and, and so I'd like to be right about it. If anybody knows a verse in the Bible that says the church started at Pentecost, you tell me, will you? If you don't, I'd go on preaching this the rest of my life, you know. Uh, come on, does anybody know a verse in the Bible? Anywhere it says the church started at Pentecost, it doesn't say that, and it didn't. The word church in the Bible, a simple little Greek word, ecclesia, it is used about four ways in the Bible. It always means a called out assembly. Always means a called out assembly. It's used in Acts chapter 7. Stephen says, the church in the wilderness. And he's talking about Israel called out of Egypt and assembled at Mount Sinai. And so it's called a church. Not a, a Christian congregation, but a called out assembly. It's used another way. This is funny. In Acts chapter 19, the only time in the whole New Testament the word uh, ecclesia is translated any way but church is there and it's translated assembly. Who is that? That's the mob called out to lynch Paul. But the, but the Greek word is ecclesia, church. Not a Christian church, it's a mob church, but it's called out assembly, and that's the word used there. And three times in that chapter, the word ecclesia in the Greek is translated assembly. And then the word church is used another. Most of the time in the New Testament, it's used about a called out, a group of Christians assembled as a little congregation. And so it's called the church of God at Corinth, the church at Rome. The churches of Galatia, the seven churches of Asia, local congregations of Christians. And so it's used about 90 times in the Bible. It's used another way also. Always means a called out assembly. What is the biggest called out assembly this world ever seen? <laughs> when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we that are alive and remain caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Oh, what a gathering. When Jesus said to come from the north and east and south and west to sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God. That time will come to that great wedding feast in heaven. Oh, what wonderful time. That great assembly, and that's called a church. In Hebrews chapter, uh, let's see, chapter 12 and verse 23, that's called that general assembly and church are the firstborn which are written in heaven. You mean everybody who's saved and will be called out of that rapture, that's called a church. Yeah, that didn't start at Pentecost because Old Testament saints are going to be there too. All right. Um, what uh, Pentecost? What happened at Pentecost? That's the time when they waited and prayed and God gave power to witness and win souls. That's it. And they had 3,000 saved in a day. All right. Now, let's then, isn't it strange people get ideas about it and don't tell you what the Bible says? I go a little further then. Now, what is that? Peter said, they said, oh, these must be drunk. My, what a talk. <laughs> no, they're talking 16 different languages because the people are here from 16 different nations. No, they're not drunk. What is it? This is fulfillment of prophecy from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. How's that? And shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and they'll witness or prophesy. Oh, see. So this is a fulfillment of a promise. A promise of what? Of a time the Bible calls the last days. The last days. How many ever heard a sermon on the last days? Let's see your hand. Come on, hold your hand. I have two. I preached on the last days. All right. You more of you have two, and you're a little ashamed to admit it, aren't you? Um, well, I wonder whether the preacher preached on the last days. Did he mean what the Bible meant, or did he make up his own meaning? Now, liberals, they don't believe the Bible. Modernists, uh, infidels in the church, they don't believe the Bible. So they use Bible terms to fool common people that they don't mean what the Bible means. They say gospel. They don't mean the Bible says the gospel is how Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel by which people saved. So says 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. But a modernist doesn't use, he says gospel. He means peace corps. Yeah. He means um, uh, United Nations. You know, he means... Uh, 
uh, gifts community chest. You don't mean what the Bible talks about at all. Well, now, do you think that's honest? No, that's not honest. And the World Council of Churches found, according to the express statement of the Constitution, is based on the on Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Oh, that sounds good. But the simple truth is that most of them are unsaved and do not claim to be saved. They don't claim to have trusted Christ and been born again. And they do not certainly take him as Lord and Master. And it, now, it's crooked to use Bible terms and not mean what the Bible means. Is that right? So anybody's going to talk about the gospel ought to mean what the Bible means about gospel. Anybody's going to be talking about last days ought to mean what the Bible means about last days. Is that right? How many things crooked for a modernist to use Bible terms and deceitfully to fool people, use them in a way that don't mean what the Bible means? How many think that's crooked for a modernist? Let's see how to think that. I do too. All right. But it's all right for a fundamentalist to be a little crooked, you think, Dr. Hudson? And Oh, you don't think so. Uh, those things are all right for fundamentals. If you scare people good and make them think it's real smart, don't you think so? No. No, then a Christian ought to, when you use Bible terms, you ought to mean what the Bible means. Now listen to carefully. The term last days in the whole New Testament always means the whole New Testament age. Right here, Paul said, Peter said, what is this? This is that, Joel said. What did he say? He said, come to pass in the last days, pour out my spirit. Here it is. You mean it's already last days then, Pentecost? That's right, it was. That's right. So don't ever, unless you intend to be crooked, don't ever use the term the last days unless you mean what God means about it. Is that right? All right. The whole New Testament age. Uh, including what? Pentecost. How long? Right on down through to the great notable day of the Lord. That's a, that in the Bible is the term the last days. Now, another scripture. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God heard some of the times. And in diverse manners, speaking time passed unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Now here are two periods of time. One is the Old Testament time. God in time past spoke to fathers by the prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Elijah, and Daniel, all of us. All right. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. Two periods of time, time past, Old Testament. In these last days, New Testament. Is that right? Is that right? Look at that verse now. Jesus Christ, then, is in the New Testament age, and so in this period called last days. Is that right or not? Oh, said, I thought it meant just a few days before Jesus came in the second coming. No, it's the whole New Testament age. And you pervert Scripture if you make it mean something else. All right. In these last days, God spoke to us by His Son. First John 2, 18. First John 2, 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. Last days, last time, already at Pentecost, already when Jesus was here, already when the beloved John wrote this epistle, last time, last days, the whole New Testament age. Is that right? Ah, let's turn. Here's another one. In, over in Timothy, over in Second Timothy chapter 3. Now, oh, this is good. Boy, here's a sugar stick. Oh, boy, if you don't read too far, you don't twist it a little, you can sure scare people. And you can make them think you're real smart, too, if you if they're ignorant. All right, and Second Timothy chapter 3. Here's a, here's a good one. Uh, this know also that in the last days, here it is again, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, uh, covetous, boaster, proud. Oh, we're getting there. No, it doesn't been that way a long time. 
blasphemers, um, uh, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, <coughs> false accusers, <coughs> incontinent, fierce, despisers, those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Oh, you say, Brother Ross, that's the way it was. That's the way it is now. Young people getting so crazy about fun. Yeah, and the prodigal son was that way in Bible times, too. But read on. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power there. Oh, he says, that's the way the liberals, the modernists, they've got the form of religion, but don't believe in being born again. And it, yes, I know. That's what it was of the Pharisees and Sadducees in Jesus' time, too. Now, we're in the middle of a verse, and if we go on and read the rest of it, we're in trouble. You reckon we'd better stop right here? Huh? Huh? What do you say? Should we stop or go on and read the rest of it? Huh? Go ahead. Well, right then. He said, Timothy, from set, turn away. Now, wait a minute. Uh, uh, you, un don't you understand the Lord saying, Timothy, don't pay any mind to this tall. Don't mean you're tall. But after about 2,000 years down in Atlanta, Georgia, they can listen to it then. Is that what he means? Huh? You mean, you meant Timothy too? All right. Then all these things are going on in Timothy's time. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. Sure. All right. From such turn away. And then he goes on to say, For of this sort are they. Now, if it's somebody with a real good education, has anybody got a real good education? If you've been to the seventh grade, let's see. Uh, let's see your hand. I don't know if we've got somebody real smart. How many here has good education been up to the seventh grade? Come on, lift your hand. I want to see you. Oh, say, well, that's fine. Now, it says, For of this sort, next verse, are they, somebody asked, tell me this, are, is that present tense or future tense? Present. Huh? Out loud. You mean present tense? You mean they were there then, then, and Paul's writing about things then going on, says Timothy, watch them, stay away from that crowd. Is that right? Well, this sort are they, they creep into houses, and lead captive silly women laden with sins, and let away with divers lusts, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, as Janus and Janus withstood Moses, so do these. Well, you say, that's in the Old Testament. Yeah, I know. Were people like that in the Old Testament? Yeah, ever since the Garden of Eden, since sin, that's right. All right. The last days in the Bible means a whole New Testament age. Does that? All right. So come back here. Somebody said, Brother Ice, but don't you think there's some sign which you can tell when Jesus is coming? No, sir, there are not. And you ought to be ashamed. That's an excuse of perverted Scripture in order to excuse your powerlessness and prayerlessness and unbelief and laziness. And you're letting people around you go to hell. And so you want some excuse. In the last days, you can't do it now. Your kind of trash never could do it. No, 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 listen, the plain children of Jesus may come today. I'd love to see him. Oh, I'd love to see him. I'd be glad to see him. But I don't know when he's coming. May not come for a hundred years, five hundred years. I don't know. You don't know either, and you ought to pretend you do. You're not supposed to know. Listen, the one thing Jesus said most often and most clearly about this matter is, like in Matthew 28, and verse uh, Matthew 24, I mean, and verse 36, he said, But of that day and hour, second coming, knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And in Mark chapter 13 and verse 32, he changed it and added a little to it. And he said, But of that day and hour, knoweth no man, no, not the, uh, no, not the angels, nor the Son, but the Father only. You mean Jesus here in the flesh didn't know the time of his second coming? No, he didn't. Oh, you say, I'm a good deal smarter than him. I doubt it. No, you don't know. You're not supposed to know. You don't suppose. And so, so the Lord Jesus says, Watch, for you know not the day of the hour. 
You mean Jesus told all his apostles to keep on watching all the time? Yeah. You mean Jesus could have come at any time? That's exactly what the Bible teaches. You mean without any sign? Yes, sir. You mean before World War One or two? Yes, sir. Before the rise of world communism? That's right. Yeah. No, no. Uh, for the, did you know Paul expect to be alive when Jesus came? You say, well, that is wrong. No, he's doing exactly what Jesus said. He was watching. So in uh, First Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 15, verse 51, Paul said, by divine inspiration, remember the word of God, we shall not all sleep, not all die. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, then the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, which crowd Paul expects to be with, the dead or the we, huh? Oh, the living, yes. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, the scripture said, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven <coughs> with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we that are alive remain, caught together with them. We that are alive remain. Uh, Paul expected to be alive when Jesus came. No, he wasn't never wrong to expect Jesus. He didn't say when, but he said watch, and that's what you ought to do. All right. I hurry on now to the meaning of the text. Here's a great thing. What is it? Paul, what is this? This is what Joel said. What did he say? It'll come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and they'll witness or prophesy. You mean everybody can have the power of God on them? That's right. That's right. Oh, you mean every Christian can have power just as good as any preacher, D.L. Moody or anybody? Oh, yes. And like the apostles in the Bible? That's right. Oh, my. Well, couldn't they do that in the Old Testament? A few people could, not everybody. The Holy Spirit came on Elijah. And Elisha, his servant and helper, oh, he wanted the power of God so bad. And he cried and prayed and said, I'm never going to leave you. And Elijah said, well, if you see me when I'm taken up to heaven, you have this power. Otherwise, you can't. Huh. And so at last he got filled with the Spirit. The Bible says about Samson, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily on Samson, but not on everybody. <laughs> One time Moses complained to the Lord. Moses said, Lord, listen here, you've got me on a tie. What is it? He said, I've got all this nation Israel. I brought them out of Egypt and, and three hundred, three and a half million of them. And I got to carry them around like a bunch of spoiled babies in my, as a nursing father. And I'm worn out and I can't do it, Lord. The Lord said, what do you want? I want some help about this. All right, the Lord says, you name 70 elders of Israel that you know to be good elders of Israel, and I'll put part of the Spirit that's on you, on them, and they'll bear this load. All right, so that's in Numbers chapter 11. And so they said, now meet us out here at the tent of meeting. And they did, and the power of God came on them out there, and they were witnessing for Jesus, and so, and but two of the men didn't get out there. Their names are Eldad and Medad, and they're still in the camp. I think their wife didn't get the shirts ironed in time or something, and so they did. But the Spirit of the Lord came on them too, and there in the camp they began to speak out for God and the mighty power of God. And Joshua heard it. And Joshua, boy, he was loyal to Moses. He come running to Moses and said, Moses, you make them stop. And nobody but you is supposed to have the power of God like that. You make them stop. And Moses said, oh, I would that all God's people had the Holy Spirit upon them. And Moses can have now. Not in Old Testament time now. You mean any Christian can be filled with the Spirit. I'm not talking about jabbering in tongues. I'm talking about power to witness for Jesus and win souls. You mean every Christian? That's right. And he goes on to say, Young men see visions, old men dream dreams, and on my soul savor, on my servants, on my handmaids, up throughout those days of my spirit. Sons, daughters, servants, handmaids, old men, young men, power of God on anybody. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Young men see visions. When I was nine years old, 
I moved out to a ranch in West Texas, 6,000 acres. When I was 10 years old, I was driving a big six-mule team. I drove into a great old breaking plow in a field a mile long. And then the grain drill. Oh, it was a good longer than those seats there. And the six big mules, and and um, I'd uh, sit up on that box. And ever come around to land here, and I'd stop and fill up the, that feed box with with oats, because I'm sowing oats now. And I knew how to drive that through the wheel market overlap just about that much, you know, and so it regular. And I got having such a big time sitting up there, I like to sing. I don't mean a bit of harm when I sing. I just sing because from own amazement. And, and I would like to sing. One of my songs I like was when the rolls called up yonder. When the roll is... Every mule there hoped I said, whoa, they all stopped. Oh, get up, you ruined my song here, and so on. I was having such a good time. I'd been saved. I was dreaming dreams and seeing visions. I saw great crowds of people. I didn't know about Chicago Arena, 6,000. Zion had music hall, Buffalo. Citywide campaign music, floor tourum, see in, in, uh, Miami. I don't think I'll know. But I saw great crowds and my heart burned. And I forgot all about this oats and I went on driving the team around there and run. And I stopped. Oh, I forgot to put in oats. I supposed to do that every time I came around that corner. And I stopped and the whole thing from I, now I got a sick and dug back. Wonder how far it's been since I've been sowing any oats. <laughs> I guessed, but I guessed wrong. And when it came up, the strip fifty feet wide didn't have any oats there. Uh, but um, I was seeing visions, dreaming dreams. Old men shall dream dreams too. Amen. I look back and see. Thank God, nine hundred ninety-seven saved it in Buffalo. I remember Chicago Arena. Twenty-seven hundred people came to Christ in fifteen days. Oh my! Let me tell you, uh, what is this? The secret of the age: a Christian have the power of God and win souls. Everybody, old men, young men, servants, and men, ignorant. That's right. PhD degree. You have to get humble enough. And if you can't read and write, all right. You know, uh, on John three sixteen, you still win souls. You mean little children? Oh yes. No matter who, anybody, a Christian. If you know Jesus and can tell that you're a sinner. And you need Jesus. And if you'll trust Him, He'll save you. Jesus died for you. You can win souls. But you have to have the power of God to do it. And that's for everybody. All right. Let's come then. Pentecost for everybody. Somebody said, now, wait a minute. No, no. No, Pentecost is one time. Can't repeat Pentecost. Is that so? <laughs> uh, somebody's been feeding you a little uh, uh, bad diet. Uh, somebody sold you a wooden nickel. No, you've been um, uh, traded in wrong. Uh, city Slicker got you wrong. No, Pentecost for everybody. Pentecost. You could these fellows have Pentecost again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's prove it, will you? All right. Well, let's uh, see if Pentecost, what happened. Turn to Acts 2 4. Let's see. Let's begin here. Right back in the middle here. Uh, lady, turn your head a little. Don't want you to get split there. Everybody on that side now, look at Acts 2 4, will you? Oh, that's right. Watch the lady. Now, this side, everybody, look at Acts 4 31. We're going to see if anybody can have Pentecost again. Is that all right? Acts 2, 4, you look when the day of Pentecost fully come, they're all with one accord in one place, and the tongues like as a fire, and, a, and, a, and a, a mighty wind filled all the house where they're sitting, tongues like fire came, sat upon each of them, and, look at our Acts 2, 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Is that what it says, Acts 2, 4? Come on, tell me, is that what it says? Amen. All right. Now, over here on this side, you look at Acts 4, 31. I come close to it. Now they said, Lord, behold thy threatenings, and grant with all boldness we may preach thy word, by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and the signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they prayed, now look at verse 31, and when they prayed, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Is that right? 
Well, that's just what said Pentecost. You mean they got the same thing again? Yeah, they prayed again, got power again, won souls again. Oh, they repeated Pentecost, didn't they? Well, I don't think Pentecost will be repeated. You don't think so? Look at Acts 2, 38 and 39. Acts 2, 38 and 39. And then they said, what is this, Peter? Oh, Peter said, we're not drunk. What is this? He said, you crucified Jesus. He's on the right hand of the Father. He shed forth this power you see in here today. Oh, they said, men and brethren, what should we do? We want that too. Uh, I look at that. Men and brethren, what should we do? And they said, repent. And be baptized, verse 38, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, that ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Ah, like these have. For the promise is to you and your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God is called. Look at that. You mean those others there that now hadn't been saved to now, they can repent and get saved and have the same power to... Oh, yeah, they can. And then can they go home and tell the children, can the children have the same thing? That's what it said, you and your children. And then when the word spreads out over in outside Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and so on, uh, and uh, as many as uh, and all that are far off, yeah, that's good for them too. And what? And uh, whosoever God ever calls to be saved, as all that are far off, the promise to them too. <coughs> Is that what it says now? Yeah. Ah, Pentecost for everybody then. There's another one. Look at Acts uh, verse 17. This, what is this? This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. What did he say? It come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all places. Look at that word, days. Is it singular or plural? Is it one day or a whole lot of days? Plural. 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 Oh, Pentecost, then, as far as the, what happened is not just a day, it's a whole age. Is right now? You mean the same, next day the same way? Yeah. And next day? And next week? Oh, yeah. It'll come to pass in the last days. How long? All right on down through this age to the great notable day of the Lord. So Pentecost is not just a day. What happened there is for everybody for whole age, New Testament age. Praise the Lord. Uh, Acts 4, I mean, Ephesians 5, 18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein success, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, that's what happened to Pentecost. And we're commanded. That's right. Command not to get drunk. Command the Christian be filled with the Spirit. That's what they had. So Pentecost for everybody, isn't it? Oh, yes. And let me know, here's another word. How can I have this power of God? How can I have the power of God? You have like they had. You know, God hadn't changed. You seek and you find. God hadn't changed. You sow and then you reap. Back in Isaiah 44, 3, I'll pour water on him that is thirsty, floods upon the dry ground. I pour my blessing on thy seed, my spirit on thine offspring. If you want the power of God, you're going to have to say, Oh, God, I want to win souls. I want your power to witness. I want to show people how to get forgiveness and salvation. God, uh, if you're hungry-hearted for power, I'm thirsty. God gives the spirit to those that are thirsty. See that? All right, and what? And those who ask God, those who seek the face of God. And, Luke, and Acts 1.14, how'd they get that before Pentecost? These all continued, Acts 1.14, with one accord, in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus and the women. Continued prayer and supplication. That's the way. Prayer and supplication. Uh, Luke 11.13. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more should the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? God gives the Holy Spirit in a sense of endurance power to whom? Those that ask Him. But the word ask is in, in the Greek form, 
Uh, Dr. Tom Lone says, I know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. He says a little Greek owns a restaurant and a little Hebrew runs a clothing store. Well, so I know a little Greek and so a little Hebrew. And uh, the Greek form here is in the uh, present or continued action. So it said, uh, God gives the Holy Spirit to those that keep on asking and pleading and asking and asking and asking. God gives the Holy Spirit. So they waited ten days and fasted and prayed and God's power came on them. That's right. That's right. Oh, yes. In, in Isaiah chapter 40, He giveth power to the faith, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In Luke chapter 11, she tells about a man who goes to his neighbor's house. He said, Friend, lend me three loaves. Friend of mine, this journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. That's a picture of a Christian. He says, I want the bread of life for a sinner, friend. From my mother, my loved ones. I want this bread. And he for them that, Don't bother me. Don't bother. Who's that? And he said, I'm in bed. My children in bed. Can't get up in the middle of the night. And but he, then verse eight says, "I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he's his friend, yet because of his importunity, he'll rise and give him as many as he needs." And I say unto you, ask and you receive, and seek and you'll find. You can have the power of God if your heart, if that's what you really want with all your heart. Wait on God. We say, brother Ice, you mean waiting on God for Holy Spirit power? Aren't you afraid you're rolling the floor and talking? To no, no. People who want that kind get that. But those who want the power of God can have that. In that same passage, Jesus said, oh, Which of you have a son ask for bread? Would you give him a stone? Hmm? If he asked for a fish, will you offer him a serpent? He said, For asking an egg, will you offer him a, a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more do you have the Father give the Holy Spirit to them and ask him? Don't you see? God he wants to give you power to win souls, if that's what you really want. Instead of putting on a show, something to brag about, I got it, and so on. Instead of that, you can have the power of God. I was in Denver <laughs> in a big um, uh, nationwide meeting, bookstore, uh, Christian bookstore people, and I was on the telephone. And two boys leaning against the post there, they were in Levi's and tennis shoes and unshaved and hair uncombed and long and little and didn't smell good. <laughs> and one of these boys turned to him and said, I got my baptism last night. Didn't do anything fixing much him, did it? <laughs> he still that didn't take the place taking a bath in his case. No, I'm not talking about some crazy stuff. I'm talking you can have the power of God to obey the Great Commission and get the gospel out and get people saved. You ought to have it. Oh, God give it to you. Dale Moody once waited in New York City. You know the Chicago fire burned up the tabernacle it built and the biggest Sunday school in the world then, Doctor Hiles, where Dale Moody's in Chicago. And the tabernacle burned down. So many poor people without homes and without food. And Mr. Moody went to New York among friends there. And down in that little short, narrow, tannin, uh, box street of Wall Street. And you know, J.P. Morgan's office and the Board of Trade and the stock market. And it is to those rich men. They give money for these poor people in Chicago. But Mr. Moody said, my heart wasn't in the begging. I wanted something more than that. Uh, he said, I needed the power of God. And as he walked along, his heart crying to God, the power of God came on him. And he was so overwhelmed. The friend said, what can I do? You want he and everything. Leave me alone. And he said, get me a room where I can be by myself. And in that room alone, the power of God so overwhelmed him. Till finally he said, Lord, I'm about to die. i got all I can hold. But I hope I die before I ever lose this. 
And he set out to preach in the power of God. He had the notes with him. He'd preached them before. And now the sermon, they had seven or eight saved. That's pretty good. Now I preached it again and had over 200 saved. Same notes, same sermon. And the power of God. Oh, God, give us the power of God. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.